They had to send you around alumni associations, PTO or PTA meetings. And in fact, you've never actually spoken before the board in public session that you're actually running to be placed on. What do you say to voters who question your sincerity in running for this position when many say you've been MIA? Well, first of all, I would like to know how many people were in that number that you asked. The next thing that I would say is that statistically significant number. The other thing would be, I've been on Worthen's campus since 2013. When I left HISD in 2012, I've been on Worthen's campus. I've also given scholarships on Worthen's campus since 2013. That's not the only school that I've given uh, from my organization that we've given scholarships to. So I'm not sure who said that. I guess you would have to know who the question went to. But I've been in the community doing what I believe is needed. Mr. Monroe is an activist. I go in and I go and do the work. And if you want to know, you can check my website and you can see that there are several children that we can give scholarships to. That's where my time and money has gone, to the students. I'm trying to find out where Dr. Brown was when my teachers were getting fired. When my bus drivers wasn't getting paid. I want to find out where Dr. Brown was when Dr. Greer was running rampant. I want to find out where Dr. Brown was when the last trustee was getting the money under the Jack Daniels box. You can't be an elected official and be a coward. You can't be that. If you would not show up when it was time to fight for your people and your kids, how you gonna show up now? Thank you, Ms. Monroe. When you think about education and the quality of education that our kids receive, we have to make sure that we represent the best way that we can. Now, I've been out here now for almost 20 years, and I'm not here to down the candidates. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to ask the questions on what we're doing as trustees around academics. And so we can, I can get and tell you how many scholarships I've given away, I've done that. I can sit here and tell you that since I've been, how many millions of dollars that we contributed from programs, I've done that. But we're here for academics, and I'm not gonna thank say you, thank you. Thank you. Mr. Monroe. Trustee Adams has voted in every election since 2008. Dr. Brown in every election except for 2012. You, sir, have not voted in almost 10 years. Next year makes 10 years. What do you say to voters who question your sincerity in representing the people of HISD, the students, the teachers, the parents, and the voters, when you didn't vote in your own personal life? of uh, stadium concession business all around the country. That means I was in different states at all times. If you watch my Facebook page, I was hardly ever at home. But more importantly, if you have two candidates in a race and I don't believe in either one of them, why should I cast a vote? <laughs> Bottom line is, I'm gonna vote when I have to. I vote according to the issues. I never vote a straight ticket. I vote according to the issues. And the last political presidential race, she's not getting it. One was a crook and one was a kook. Why should I vote for either one? So, and, and I'm going to jump into some of these. So, being what you saw in the presidential election, the way it ended up, you still would not have voted if your vote could have tilted the scales one way or another? 
Point blank is this hill. We, we, we ran to the polls to vote for Trump. Everybody in here knows who the President of the United States is. Who's your congressperson? Who's your senator? Do you know that? Who did you vote for for that? I'm not worried about Donald Trump. I'm worried about Sylvester Turner. I'm worried about the white horses. So my thing is simple. I worked out of town, out of state. Please, please. I worked out of town. I worked out of state. I could not vote because I was gone. I had to feed my family. But some of these people, I wouldn't have voted for anyway. Thank you. A rebuttal? So my response to that would be that there's early voting that usually lasts two weeks prior to the actual election day. There's also mail-in ballots that you can request. Trustee, um, I voted in every election, but it's hard to see when you have a voter's registration card to run for this office, and it's dated active date August 9th, 2017. That's just my issue. Dr. Brown, your experience as a former HISD administrator sets you apart from the group. However, looking at your LinkedIn profile, it appears that you were a teacher for X amount of years and then an assistant principal for one year. Mm -hmm. Raises eyebrows. Most assistant principals either remain assistant principals or become principals. You, however, decided to leave the district even after being vested with your retirement. What do you say to voters who question your sincerity in running for this office and this district that you left and now want to govern? Okay. The answer to that is I didn't leave. I, my position was cut. I was an administrator for four years and the position changed from instructional coordinator to assistant principal in the last year. There was also a change in administration during that time. So I didn't choose to leave. My position was cut. And if you want to talk about why it was cut, that's one of the other reasons that I'm running for this position because there are some things that go on in the district that should not ever go on in the district. And I know that, that, that there are several teachers that can come in here and say the same thing, other administrators. As an administrator, I was an at-will employee. And if you do something that the principal doesn't like or if he, asks, he or she asks you to do something that you don't want to do or that you know is against policy and you're told that I am the policy, the principal's told that told you they're the policy, then that's a problem. And I want to make sure that that never happens again. So that's why I'm sitting here today. There was a huge complaint around the community about uh, structure and HISD and leadership. And one thing I can agree with Carla being here, it's questionable why some of us serve and why we're here. Nothing is perfect on anything that we do. One of the things that I did do um, as trustee is that we interrupted that nepotism in HISD. We started looking at systems in place to hold everyone accountable for why we're here. Thank you very much, Trustee. Uh, before I go to the next question, I want to acknowledge Trustee Jolanda Jones. <laughs> Trustee Rhonda Skillen Jones. Is Trustee Dr. Carolyn Evan Chavaz in the room? There we go. On the ballot. Too. On the ballot. <laughs> Did I miss anybody? 
I didn't miss anybody. Okay. Next question. Uh, this. Oh, rebuttal. Yes. Yes, sir. We scream. We've got rid of nepotism. The deputy superintendent's brother. Oh, come on now. Is he not a vendor right now? Did we not have problems with people taking money from vendors? We've not gotten rid of the nepotism. Oh, I could write a book on what I know right now. You've not gotten rid of the favoritism. Matter of fact, as it pertains to promotions at the upper level, you've not gotten rid of the racism. Next question goes to Trustee Adams. While I was interviewing you for an article leading up to this debate, you talked a little bit about the barber and beauty programs at Madison High School. You listed them as victories. We put that in the piece, and we found out that the program doesn't actually exist this year, and it didn't last year. I wanted to give you time to clarify that. And thank you for that question. And all the ones who questioned, who sent in the articles, I really appreciate it. Dr. Greer, when he was here, he removed all the cosmetology programs, magnet programs from all the African-American schools. He did that in my second term. I asked him not to do it, he did it anyway. But one of my commitments was to Madison High School is that we would allocate the funds when they build a new school to put it. We just got the thumbs up, we got the actual funding. We just didn't want it to be a cosmetology school. We wanted it to be a barber and beauty magnet program where they actually learn how to write business plans. When they graduate from high school, not only they graduate to have to go into get into other debt to graduate from a barber and beauty school, that they can actually receive their certification at Madison High School, and when they graduate, they can walk into a business or a cosmetology program. We want our barbers to have the necessary skills that they need, not only just to open up a business, but how to maintain the business. So it's actually incorporated and built into the new Madison, and I'm very proud of that, of restoring that program back. Thank you, Trustee. To be a trustee and have cosmetology in a predominantly African-American or Latino school, why didn't you fight to keep it there? Why are we fighting to get it back? I see all you beautiful ladies out here. Who do they all have? Most of the shops in this area, District 9, District 4, those kids graduated from those schools with their certifications. We have to stop making excuses. And according to Dr. Greer, he didn't pull programs, principals did. Thank you, ma'am. No. <laughs> Last year, just one day after being summoned back to work, after being suspended for months, Houston ISD uh, District Auditor Richard Patton filed a lawsuit against the district, saying that when he started talking to police, and the FBI by district officials, possibly breaking the law, he was silenced. He said they retaliated against him for reporting violations of the law. Sounds very similar to a lot that we see going on in the district. Right now, HISD doesn't technically have any real oversight since he's not been back to the district. What are your thoughts about this, and what are your thoughts about oversight at the district? Yes. Okay. We talk a lot about uh, centralization and decentralization, and I think that's one of the things that will be covered there because centralization can be, can, can be a wonderful thing because it would give the district an opportunity to uh, oversee some things that right now are in the hands of a principal. The problem I see with that, though, is because of the size of the district, you would run into some other issues that would come in there. 
and that would be uh, getting things approved. That would slow everything down because of the approval process that would go into place. If we were in a smaller district, that would be great. But I think that we're going to have to find a way to, uh, to establish some type of oversight to ensure that we don't have the things going on that have to be investigated, that the FBI would have to come in and take care of them. That we're going to have to find a way to do that, but in a decentralized way. Mr. Patton was shafted. Point blank. How are you going to sign me to death row records and make sure Knight White my manager? Let me explain it to you real fast. How are you going to put the legal department over oversight? If you got a problem with them, who are you going to go to? You see what I'm saying? So there's a reason for there not being oversight. Something crooked going on. Don't get it twisted. These people know exactly what they're doing. And to have a school district this big and not have any oversight? Something's wrong with you. Thank you for the question. One of the questions about the former internal auditor, when I became president, one of my number one goals was to hire internal auditor because we do need to have oversight on what board members do and what they don't do concerning ethics. They invest to make sure that whatever we do to make sure we turn everything on time. And we do have oversight. We have an internal auditor that we hired and uh, who's double degree. I think he has like three or four doctorate degrees in finance. And so that's Mr. Blackwell. So and so we Thank do have sure. oversight. Thank you. Now, I think the next question goes to Trustee Adams. Trustee Adams, 3H has the trustees recently took a trip to California for a conference. This trip was paid for by a vendor. After being called on it, they paid the vendor back for their travel. These same three voted to increase donations for vendors from $500 to $2,000. So now those vendors can donate more money than they could before. This is a central issue in this campaign. Trustee, you voted to increase the amounts of gifts vendors could give from $500 to $2,000. And as I understand it, you were one of the people who took that trip. No. Correct that. Oh, no, okay. I did not take so, that trip. So, so you were not. So we're not okay. But you did, but you did vote. You voted to increase it. Oh, so let's, let's get it. Okay. Let's research the facts. So research the facts on that one. What, what do you say to voters who question you increasing uh, the, the, the amount of, that gifts could be given to trustees? So is this the vendor question or the increase question? Which one? Both. So we have a minute. So on the vendor question, one of the reasons I think that Mr. Monroe was at a, an, an endorsement screen we have today, and they was kind of laughing at my, my finances, because they said, out of the last several years, you only spent $6,000, and now you're down to four twenty one. The reason being is because of vendor contributions that I did not take in. He was there, and they said, because I didn't. And so with the vendor, we've taken trips before if they are already approved vendor, because this was a scholastic trip that our colleagues took to be able to improve education and reading among our students. Because they was an active vendor at the time and they didn't know the policies or the rules, and when we researched the policy and the rules, it came back 
to say it would be best to go ahead and refund the money. But I don't say to them that they should not have taken the trip. It wasn't anything illegal about the trip. It was because it's a scholastic trip where we do all of our literacy, about three, our literacy in the middle, and now our literacy in power. So we have to go and see how we can best be able to bring the information back about improving our literacy among our young people. So they didn't really do anything wrong. Someone thinks it was the policy wasn't clear. If you are sitting on the boat, this is my channel. Go ahead. If you are sitting as an elected official on the board, you should know the policies. There is no reason in the world where you should be in a situation where you don't know who you can take money from and can't take money from, or should take money from and shouldn't take money from someone. We are very much aware that there are special interest groups that are vying for our attention so that they can get decisions made on their behalf. And that's unacceptable. Thank you, Doug. I agree with him. If you sit on the board, you should know the rules. But don't you pay Thompson and Harden a whole bunch of money to know that for you? Right. Millions and millions of dollars every year. Me, I'm, it's simple with me. You're a vendor, I don't want your money. Because I don't want you to feel like I'm obligated to do anything for you. My babies, Mr. Monroe, can I donate a dollar? Hit the campaign button. I work for you anyway. Another one. Yes. On about what we have to do, but you have to be honest and ask why this race, why I have people in the race anyway. Uh, one of the reasons why there are not one, one particular, um, I said I wasn't going to go negative, I'm going to stay positive, thank you. Sure. I'm in the race because we want to make sure that there's some change in District 9. Right. Okay. The next question will now go to Mr. Monroe. And you each will get the exact same opportunity for this question. You may ask one of your opponents a question. Just one. One question. One question. Mr. Allen. Now, keep in mind, it's not 60 seconds to ask your question. You just get to ask a question. I mean, it's a simple, simple question. We, we have to be honest because we hear the whispers in the community. If the community doesn't want you, if the elected politicians, they're not going to raise their hands if they hear don't want you. If you have 14 schools failing in the district, kids walking off of campuses getting murdered, because I told you it was open. Why, on God's green earth, would you want to represent this district again? Yes. I've been out here 10 years. The voters have been voting me for 10 years because of my integrity and my ethics. Um, you may have three persons that are standing um, up against me. Um, 
at this time, but you always have to question the reason why. You have to question the reason why. And so I'm so glad that people are giving me a whole lot of power um, to be able to control when a child walks off a of campus and they decide to burglarize a store and come back, but that's the trustee's fault. The A through F system was put in place by the Republican Party to take over the public education system. In HISD, specifically in District 9, we're at a 92% meeting standard. Yes, you have some ratings, but our kids are doing well in District 9. You have um, from A schools to IR when I got here, down to three, but we added two this year, so now we have a total of five schools that are approved and met required. And so there's a lot of work to be done, but let's talk about academics. That's why we're here. Thank you, Tristan. Your question? You get to ask one of your questions. Okay, I, I have no control over it. You have influence. 
you use it in other ways. So you stand up for your community, you stand up for your people, and you fight for that man. Thank you. It's a team of nine on this board, and I think it was a unanimous vote to take the recommendation of the committee. And so when you have, when you say community, it is a one, because you have like two sides. I didn't know who. <laughs> You know, but when you have that, when you have a committee, you know, I think that we should, you know, with the standard of policy, I'm not here to do anything unethically wrong of what people with the voice was heard. But the recommendation was from the committee that was made, and it was brought to the entire board. And Thank, you, board. Thank you, Thank you, Trustee. Well, if people, if, if I'll, I'll let this one go. <laughs> My dad used to say, it's a poor dog that won't wag his own tail. If I can't wag the tail for District 9 and convince the other eight people on the board that District 9 wants the school named after an educator for 50 years who served in that community, something's wrong with my tail. So it doesn't matter who I would sit next to. I represent District 9. I don't have to vote with these other eight people. Right. My vote in District 9 should have been no. You have four high schools in District 4 that they could have tried to name a school after her. What did she do in District 9? How did she help that community? It could have been Ray Seals High, I mean middle school. Could have been Vince Young, it could have been whatever, it could have been Karen McAfee. And I was out there with a big And now, Trustee, you get to ask the question. You know what? Because I don't want to. Let me just ask this question. I have a question for Mr. Monroe. No. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is when you notice that there were improvements need to be made in the district, you agree that we have a relationship of making sure some things get accomplished. Would you agree with that? So what do you think that our relationship has been like when there's been some issues that have been brought forth lately that we can say that we've tackled together? I think me and you like magic and bird. Tonight we on the court. It ain't no friendship right here. I will give this lady credit that when I go to her and I speak with her, like with the band program in the summer for the at-risk kids, she stepped up to the plate. And those kids were able to go to TSU and do what they do. But all trustees should do that. I've done it with Ms. Jones with the library. Some trustees are not receptive to me. I'm just too black, too raw for BET, that's what it is. But we have worked together great on some things. We don't agree on everything. We, she felt one day I disrespected her. I stood in the boardroom and I apologized. But I will not apologize when you know that you've not done what you needed to do. There is no apology, but tonight, you bird and I'm magic. We don't do it. <laughs>
Dr. Brown, what is the starting teacher salary for HISD? And in your opinion, is it fair? And if not, what do you believe you can do about it if elected to the board? Okay. I can't tell you that I know exactly, but I believe it's about 52000 It's about fifty or 52000 And do I think that is fair? I think that's... Uh, I wish I was making 52, 20 years ago when I came here, but I know that was 20 years ago. Um, yes, I think that's a fair wage. And is there room for more? Is there room for more? Absolutely. Is there room for more? Absolutely. But I do believe that it is fair. And because teachers also have other opportunities to make additional money throughout throughout the year. Uh, okay. First, I want to say, when the teacher's wage, no, it is not fair for our educators to educate our kids and they leave them with 52000 54000 56000 One of the things that we've done as the board, um, as a team, we've actually increased the teacher's salary to be competitive with other salaries across the district. For instance, Worthy in high school, people hard about what she's done about Worthy and, and things like that. Worthy right now, they, they're the highest paid teachers in our schools, the teachers at Worthy in high school. And which is a great thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Thank it's you, a Tristan. great thing. So I just want to let them know that what our teachers are doing. Right now, you get what you're paying for. You don't want to pay them? Look at what you get. Bottom line, there is more money. There is. Get rid of those 43 top law firms you got on retainers. Get rid of them SSOs that be sleeping in the, in, in, the, in the principal's office. Oh, it's money. You need to pay them. They would work harder. They would give you more. They wouldn't run the happy hour at 430 every day. garage teaching the students or teaching the kids in the community. So when we talk about what's fair for a teacher, I'm not saying that 52000 is the end all to everything. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, when you come to the table as an educator, a true educator, it is not always, a, and I'm not, I'm in no way trying to say that it's not about, it's not always you, about you, that money. So what we're trying to do is engage, because one of the things that we need to do, one of our top goals in HISD is to hire effective teachers in every classroom. And to attract those teachers, you have to be able to pay those educators. And so some people say it's not about money. With our educators, when they're educating kids up today with technology increasing in different areas and arenas, we have to step up to the plate, because that's why we're losing some of our best teachers to some of the surrounding school districts. So we have to do what we need to do and take care of home first and pay our teachers. And the next question is for Trustee Adams because you got the last one. Trustee Adams, House Bill 1842, which passed the legislative session before last, puts this district in a sticky situation. Because at the end of this school year, if any of the, any of the schools that have been improvement required for five years or more, 
If any of those schools exist, it gives the commissioner two options, and only two options. One, to close a school like Cashmere High School, or Worthing High School, or Cashmere Gardens Elementary. Or two, to allow the state to take over HISD, thereby sort of eliminating the position that you're running for re-election for. In your opinion, I'm not going to ask about plans to, to get the schools out of power. If it were up to you, would you A, close a failing school, or would you B, eliminate your own position? So with those two questions, first of all, we have to get where this came from. This is three years ago, and we knew about 1842. We had 100 IR schools in, eight, in three years ago. Now we're down to 27 improvement required schools. This was led in Austin. Harold Dutton authored this bill to close these schools. And let me tell you something else. I was very surprised about this because every local legislator in Harris County, besides two, Armando Wiley and Garnet Coleman, voted to close these schools. It started in Austin. It didn't start with us. So you look at the voting records of those who voted to close these schools that voted to close these schools in Austin, Texas. Not Wanda Adams, Austin. So we have the legislators that represent this area voted yes. So let's not get it twisted. So I'm very sensitive about that because you represent us, but you're down in Austin. When you're not there, you have somebody else to vote for you. So you know what me like this, when you're talking about that, it's about being honest. When you had your own black elected officials to put this on the ballot, not HISD. So if they get close, it's because your elected officials in Austin, Texas, not HISD. So we're going to do our
I'm not walking away from nothing. He's going to have to put me out of here. Dotson was not a failing school. Dotson was a high-striving school, and because of the leadership that was there, they needed the property for another way. The trustee at the time voted to close that school. So they do close successful school if it's for a different reason. And I voted no against closing schools, but because you had the majority, it passed anyway. I just want to clarify that. So they will do that if it's necessary. Anytime money is on the agenda, yes, money will trump success. <laughs> Gary Monroe, how do you feel the current superintendent, Richard Caronza, is performing or is performing? And further, how do you measure the performance of superintendents? You've talked a little bit about things that you would like to do, but from a policy standpoint and from a superintendent, uh, sort of the governance of the board, which is different from what the superintendent and administrator do, does, what, what they do, how, how would you do that? Some people, when this man was hired, they thought he would be a yes man. For whatever that reason, they thought he would be a yes man. I've had several private conversations with him. I actually like the guy. I believe that the board is not giving him enough flexibility to be able to accomplish what he can accomplish. He can work with certain board members and they have great ideas, but you have some people that refuse to give him the flexibility that you gave that last, that last one. So my, my thing is this here. I think we got the right guy. That's my honest opinion. I think that we have the right guy but the board has to work with him. And more importantly, if you're going to do what's best for Richard Carranza, get the rest of the people out the administration. And, and, and because, because I, I put 30 seconds on the board, Mr. Monroe, I'm talking about specifics, because when you get on the board, if you, if you get on the board, it's not about theoretical, it's, it's about specifics, that's the way, it's, it's policy making, it's those types of things. So what specific things would you implement? And even further, could you talk a little bit about the way that we do it right now? Is that something that you've looked into? Actually, my brother, it's, it's not hard. The one thing I would ask my superintendent to do, you need high-quality teachers, right? Why don't you go back and get the ones that they want for the five? The ones that can control the classroom, that can teach for the teachers. You see what I'm saying? Why don't we do that first? Now, let's look at our budget. You're top heavy around here. You got 304 people in there making $100,000. Some of them make coffee all day long. It's time for them to go. You see what I'm saying? Thank you, Gary. So, I told Gary before he started, don't take my answer, but I'll, I'll, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm saying to this. If, the, if you hire a superintendent, let him be the superintendent. What I see happening is him being told, of my understanding, of him being told that he can't speak to certain groups. That's the problem. If he's going to lead, allow him to lead. Trust him to lead. Trust him to do his job. He's getting paid enough money to do his job. Let him do it. First of all, I, I agree with the flexibility from the superintendent. That's what we allow. But when you say certain groups, 
some things that have happened when the superintendent came in, and Mr. Monroe said it earlier that they thought that it was going to be a yes person. But he cut out a lot of illegal things from board members. Um, when you show up at a meeting and vendors were present, he cut that out. Um, we made sure that he has full autonomy on decisions that he makes when hiring principals and teachers. So there is not a micromanagement going on with this superintendent because he's been open and fair, especially with the board members. What's your position on Teach for America? Yes. While I appreciate what Teach for America brings to the table, I can honestly say that the schools that they have been placed in are not always the best places for them. If you don't understand the children that you are dealing with, you can come with all the great songs and dances you want to, but our children need to be with people who understand where they've been, who they are, who their mamas and daddies are, who their grandmamas are, who Uncle Poo Poo and Coco, and they need to understand that. And until we get people in a position that's willing to stay there long enough to see the change through, you're going to have some problems. campuses that have the majority of Teach for America teachers, most of them are failing. Most of them are failing. And the reason that they are failing, and, and the way I, I feel like a Teach for America person can fail, one, they're fresh out of college. And you throw them in gladiator school and work. You send them over the edge. Hey, man, I just saw them catch nervous breakdown. They couldn't handle it. A teacher needs to be in that classroom, like my friend said, two or three years to get acclimated. I support some of the foundation that Teach for America has, and I do agree with some of the schools that they put in some of their classrooms. For example, the reason why I say that, just the other day, we recognized a Teach for America young man who's been with HISD for like 10 years, and he started with Teach for America. He has the highest science performance in HISD. So I cannot discount him because he's a Teach for America um, uh, student. So one of the things that we have to continue just to focus on, we have to take away what's good and then deposit Thank those you. things that don't work. Thank you, Jason. They want to know what's cool. What's cool he was at. And if you don't, if you don't remember, we can get it. I'll put it in. I'll put it in. Can we rebuttal? Can we rebuttal? She doesn't know the school. Can we rebuttal? No. 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 Okay, uh, Trustee, it's on Trustee Adams now. Trustee Adams, what's your position on charter schools? What's my position on charter schools? Yes, like where, where's their place? Okay. Is, is place? there a place? There is a place. We have an Energize for STEM um, charter that's right here in the community that is led by Dr. Lois Bullock. 
It is one of the highest rating charter schools inside charters that we have. We've taken in some charter schools um, once they fall, have fallen under the HISD system that have done very, very well. But if you're talking about outside charters, you have to be specific if you're talking about the Harmonies, the KIPs, and the YES. I'm not a charter proponent because I think that is the underlying um, takeover that's trying to happen in HISD because of the ones that's in the system like DeVos and the governor and what's going on right now and academics with HISD. So when it comes to in-school charters, um, current in-school charters, when they're successful and doing well, I support our in-school charters, but the outside charters, I don't think that there should be a strong partnership between the two. I'm a researcher, and until I see some research to say that a charter, uh, the KIPS, the Harmonies, are graduating students and doing more than what public education is doing, I can't say that I'm a proponent for charters. How well is Woodson doing compared to Kip Sunnyside? And a free public education is what it needs to be. The district needs to stop playing, especially with this district innovation, where you're setting the table to create charters inside of our district. If you're going to answer this question, answer it honestly. What's going to happen to Casimir next year? What's going to happen to Worthy? I don't believe that I need to worry about what they have in West Side of Bel Air. I need to know what they Thank got inside of Kilt. Thank you. And at this point, we're going to open it up for audience questions. Um, we'll, we'll start with uh, Trustee Jones. The way it's going to work, Trustee Jones is number one, you're number two. Right here in the black, you're number three. The three y'all come up, Trustee, you got it first. I'll pass it to Mike. I know this is unusual, but I need to know these questions because of the board. Let me be clear. I believe charter schools are the destruction of public education, and I ain't scared to say it. Even if I'm answering that question, even though I'm not on the ballot. I need to know two questions from everybody. Well, I actually don't need to know these from, uh, from, trust, from President Adams because I already know the answers. I want to know if you have the option. We don't. Okay. So the first question is this. I have two questions. I campaigned against paying recapture. People were in Austin playing footsies with the people in Austin, and we paying over a billion dollars in HISD, and I lost that vote. Had you been in HISD when the recapture vote came, how would you vote? One, that's the first question I want, because the recapture's destroyed us. It's destroyed us. Second, and so I'm up here crying, and normally you stay out of other races. I just want to know whoever's up there, how they're going to be, and if I can work with you. The second question is this. I stood firm for teachers to get a 5% raise. Woo! That vote happened. Because there is enough money to pay HIV teachers more money. And, it is, and there is no reason why teachers should have to work two jobs. They have the absolute most important job. They are educating our people. If you had the opportunity to vote for a 5% raise, rather than the 3% raise that my colleagues voted for, how would you have voted? That's all I want to know. As far as recapture, I think I was beating the drum with you. I knew we would get got. Recapture was our ace. It was our ace. And when we voted, no. They went back to the table. Let's make a deal. I'll do this for you. 
But as soon as it was pushed with the help of the great partnership behind the scenes, we got got for our schools and we got got for our money. So my sister, I would tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I would have voted no. I would have not sat there and talked about putting it back on the ballot for one reason. This is the representative of District 9. How you sit in a Democratic seat and pull a Republican move? Oh. 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 But um, the state has a plan to come in 
And they're going to either take our schools by asking us to close them and reopen them and get a charter partner, or they're going to replace the board with people who will do that. So that's, that's going to happen one way or the other. So if you are elected in November and take those seats in January, how will each of you vote when they come in May and say, I mean, do we close the school or do we sit there having to stop the board? How, how are you going to vote? They know they don't say I ain't voted in 10 years, Dean. So what I'm going to say is this here. Ain't no time to vote. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. I'm not signing off on closing no school. I'm not abandoning my ship. That's all it boils down to. So you would step aside? You would, you would give up? I'm not giving up my seat and I'm not closing my school. So, 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 so wait, 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 wait. Because that's not an option, right? No, that, let me explain something to you. You have an option to do whatever you want. No. As a crap, let me let me say what I need to say. Okay. I'm in this neighborhood. I see our children. Okay, Mr. Monroe, but 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 here's the here's the issue that we have. Here's the issue that we have. You 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 said a little bit earlier that there are some board members who would be receptive to you. That was one thing you said. Another thing you said was that if you were to get on the board, you could actually work within the system and get things done. Sure. Here you've been presented with two options, and you have to pick one. You can't make up your own. Which so, would you do? So the question is, is you're asking me, do I want to die fast or slow? No, I don't want to die at all. But you have to. So are you going to die? My understanding, there's a clause in there. My understanding and correct me if I'm wrong if someone knows the answer, but my understanding is there's a clause in there that the people can take over the school if the people right. come with a plan. So if we pass that point, then I would, I would have to step down. I mean, I'm not going to be put in, we're not closed. I mean, that's just not an option. Okay. And so I just want to make sure, because we have to make sure that we educate on where we are. And you would correct Trustee Jones, Skillin Jones is correct. There's only two options on the table. So let's be clear. If TA comes in and take over board of managers, they're going to close the schools anyway. So the other question is, it's going to close anyway, but when TA closed the school, Cashmere as it exists today would never exist as Cashmere High School. If Worthing exists get closed today, it would never exist as a Worthing High School. So those are just your options that you have. And we have to be educated. I guess my question is, why so is, is it at this point? Why is it at the point of no return? Right. Okay. What's your question? Go ahead. I'm going to hold the mic. Um, so first of all, I'm James Taylor, and I, I'm an educator. I claim to education by way of Teach for America, and I stayed at my school for eight years, as most of my core members do stay within the district, even if we do in the classroom. But so my question um, is more about, we talked a lot about the problems. We've identified all of the issues. But what I have yet to hear is about the fact that we're talking about a 21st century uh, district, and I haven't heard any innovative <coughs> solutions for the, how you know, fix some of the problems at the school. So, what, I mean, at the schools, we have a whole, you know, in District 9, we listed out the schools, but what I have yet to hear, and I'd like to hear from each person, what type, what's going to be different? What would you di do different? And I want to hear about instructions. I want to hear about programs. I want to hear about what our graduates what is going to be different about these schools? We're specific. Uh, and we already know the problem. So let's not skate off the problem. Well, one of the things that I've uh, come to the 
about uh, this very question is I want to make sure that kids that need mentors have mentors. There needs to be a call for mentors for children who need a positive role model. You may not think that's a big deal, but it's a huge deal because children are going to homes that they do not have positive role models and they need positive role models. It is those positive role models that can help them change the trajectory of their lives by getting them to understand the importance of post-secondary education. One of the things that we have done as a board, we've identified, where is she, I want to make sure I look, okay, thank you. One thing we want to identify, well, we found that there was issues in HISD as a board with our babies before the third grade that are not reading. We put some of our best teachers at the early pre-K, K level so our kids can be reading by third grade. Once we finish the reading by third grade, we created literacy in the middle so we can capitalize those students who can read at middle. Not just recently, the other day, we allocated $6 million because what we were finding out was the problem is that our high school young boys were not Thank reading. You, so the board allocated $6 million so our high school students can learn how to read Thank so they you. can read on level. Thank you, Tristan. My sister, my babies need to be educated at the lower levels. I need to figure out why they make it to middle school and they can't read. I need to figure that out. So what I need to understand is this on the, on the high school level. Bring back the programs that were successful that you took and put on the west side for the white kids. Bring it back. Give it back to them. Secondly, you are a product of Teach for America. That's great. Bring back my teachers that know how to teach. You have to bring them back. Thank you, Gary. Um, my question is to all of you all. I am a former professor where I taught anatomy pathophys for the last 12 years on a collegiate level. My question is directly to you in this regard. You talk what I'm saying? Anatomy pathophys. Okay. Now, I'm looking at it from a parent standpoint as well as an educator. Many times... What's your question? Many times you have several um, skilled teachers that come into a situation, but they have to deal with so much disciplinary, they can't even get any instruction done whatsoever because they cannot relate to many of the students. How are you looking to address those issues so that effective instruction can go on in the classroom? Because we're finding several people or several students not prepared. So they're reading on a third grade level, but they're in ninth grade. How are you going to address that? The, that issue starts long before the kids even get into school. When they come into schools, they're behind. Uh, kids in the community tend to have 300, uh, 300 million words. They've heard 300 million words less than kids in an affluent area. So they're starting off behind. Until we get the parents involved and get them to come into the school, we have to figure it out. We have to figure out how to make them understand what's important to the schools, how, what's important to the students, and how we can get everybody working together. And that's, when we talk about true wraparound services, that's what true wraparound services are about. My teacher, before we continue to sit here and say we have ineffective teachers, we got ineffective administration. The system doesn't work. It's been proven not to work. So bottom line, you have to start teaching a kid how to read at the lower levels. You teach them about the SATs 
at the lower level. I'm a parent. My ex-wife's son made a 1,200 on the SAT in the seventh grade, but he wasn't in HISD. They forgot. We don't have underserved schools. Thank we you. have forgotten. Thank you, Gary. You asked the question about what we're going to do and what we have done. In HISD, what we have done as a board, I'm, I'm just one board member. It is nine of us that work together collectively to pass policies. We have what we have a hippie, and we actually send teachers into the household of the kids before they even come into school to make sure that they identify and know the words, know their colors, knowing how to, to start the sentences. So we, we're, we're doing those things. We've done it. And I have to go back to reading because this stuff has happened way before I even um, got here. And so... Right. Well, it, it goes... No, because it, it has to go to the next one. You had your chance to answer. Now we go to the next one. And you, you heard they didn't answer, so we'll go to the next question. Okay, I want to ask you about Dan Patrick's infamous bathroom bill. If you supported it or opposed it, and how you would respond in the future, because we're going to see it again until Dan Patrick dies and leaves office. And no squishy answers, please. Well, this is a true story, because when I was at Yates in ninth grade, I was always in the girl bathroom. Every day. So, let me say this here. The world has changed. And because the world has changed, we have to change with it. So, I don't have a problem with a transgender kid. I don't, I don't have a problem creating a situation where they're comfortable. You see what I'm saying? We just have to accept the fact that the world has changed, and we have to move forward. Okay, I'm in disagreement with that, and here's where I stand with that. When you look at what issues the school already has to deal with, who's going to which restroom is an issue that we don't need to be fighting. So here's my issue. Here's my thing. In the new buildings, all restrooms should be individual restrooms with a toilet and a sink. That way nobody has to decide what restroom to go to. We all go to the same. You just pick the door. To those that are, are, are already in existence, then you, you, you're going to have to find a, a neutral. That's Thank what I stand. Because that's a battle they think they want to fight. And it ain't. It won't be a good I want to thank my colleagues. Um, Trustee Sterling Jones headed up um, the legislative committee to actually go down. And, and we went to Austin to stand up against it. And HIC, we actually, and I had to send a president's letter against uh, that particular bill. So that's what HISD stands as a whole right now. Thank you so much for that question. I think the question was for you, What would you do? What I do as president? That's what I just said. I was saying. She said she supported. She sent the letter. As the president, I said what I did. Um, I've heard two themes here that kind of stand out as being fairly passionately arousing to everyone here. One is naming of schools and one is privatization of schools. And I think that names of schools do really matter. They're highly symbolic and they're, they're owned by the community, particularly historical schools. So uh, an issue that brings both of those uh, themes together is the changing of the name of HSPBA to gender HSPBA. And uh, I don't know if everyone realizes that was pretty much forced down the public's throat with only six days of discussion, at which point the Kinder Foundation said to the board, take it or leave it. So the question is, my organization, KinderGiveItBack.org, did a petition, and that caused 
the creditors to send a letter to, to HISD saying, okay, okay, we'll give you the money and we don't have to take the name. If someone uh, at the trustee level engaged in any conversation with the kinders to follow up on that letter and the potential that was created when a group of citizens at kindergivenback.org stepped into the breach and basically made a space for everyone to rethink that contract and give better terms to the public, including giving the name all the way back. If no one's been talking to the kinders, why not? I was just going to say, you have some vocal board members on the board about the situation with Kinder, and I have not had any personal conversations with Kinder by the name, but we did receive a letter um, with this particular issue, so there is dialogue, and I know that we're waiting on. Um, it just takes three, if, if this is an issue that the board wants to take on as a whole, it just actually takes three board members to sign um, a written request to the president of the board and say they want to bring this item up. It's just that. That's the president. If the community doesn't want the school remain, why are we even at this juncture? I mean, they already said that the public students would be even longer. I mean, I'm not understanding why we're even at this point. If the community doesn't want to, I mean, is this about the money or then, I mean, it's about the money. And I, I mean, but everything is about the money. And when is it about the children? That's, I guess that's my question. And I love money just like everybody else. Thank you, Doctor. First of all, we should have never opened the can of worms selling school names. It should have never happened. Because now every school name is up for grabs and somebody comes in with another one. It should have never happened. I support the community of HSPBA trying to get their name back. That's what it's been. It wasn't a Confederate school. You still have schools with Confederate names you need to change since you want to change the names of some schools. So I support you guys and will stand with you on it. Uh, good evening. I'd like to thank uh, the panel for coming out tonight. Uh, I'm a proud member of the United Alumni Association. Karen uh, Monroe, thank you to the panel. Thank you, everybody. Uh, my question is, I understand being born and raised in South Park, everybody's going to, is not going to college, bottom line. So therefore, what sort of uh, avenue do we have for these kids to gain successful trades? We took all the trades out of the schools. We put them at HCC, they could not afford them.
my response to that is something people ask where I've been the last uh, five years after I left HISD. I have a nonprofit organization that I've been working with. And what we've been doing, we have what we call a high school to college pipeline. And I've been working with students to transition them into Houston Community College. Those were kids in their senior year who did not have a plan. And that's a problem. It, most schools on the other side of town, kids come in ninth grade with a plan for what they're going to do post-secondary. So that's what I've been trying to work on. And that's one of the things that I want to push after I get on the school board. Thank you for that. Let me tell you what this trustee has done. One of the things we looked at, and first I want to thank Travis McGee. I don't know if he's still here. But one of the things Travis McGee would always say about CTE programs and what we need Remember when I first got here in 2014, those programs were already allocated, but in the last two and a half years, some of the things that they tried to put at Worthing, you can't put a hospitality at Worthing for our kids. But one of the things that we are doing, we're partnering with the apprenticeship programs, and one of the things that we're looking at is elevated technology. So when they finish their apprenticeship program, they can come out making $70,000 a year. So that's where we are right now at Worthing High School. Well, Houston Community College is right over there, and there should be some type of partnership going on when, when kids are co-opting out. They should co-opt them into a, a program that will allow them to start getting that credit before they graduate. These kids are graduating without a plan, and HIV hasn't been concerned about what's happened to what's happening with these children when they leave the district. We should be concerned because that determines you know, house values that determines uh, who, how much crime is going on in the community, you need to make a difference. And I think it'll work. I want to applaud um, Southeast Early College for having that early college programs. And what we have, we have early colleges in HIS, South Early, we have early colleges in HISD schools, so our kids will graduate. For instance, I know at South Early, one thing that it was exciting about is they received their associate's degree before they actually received their high school diploma. So we have all these programs in HIC around CTE training. When they leave, for instance, we have a fire academy at West Bear High School, so when they graduate, they'll be EMT. So we are doing it, and they are there. What the hood school? Okay, let's get real to say, we wanted in District 9. It may be going on, but we wanted in District 9. Okay, and, and, and just, just a little bit of a, uh, Everybody knows that uh, Mr. Monroe hadn't voted in 10 years. How many of us in here are now registered to vote or not sure if you're registered to vote? Raise your hand. No. Right, right. If, if, you're not, if, you're not, if you're not sure if you're elected, if you're not sure if you're registered to vote, uh, Shakira Dennis, who's in the back, Shakira, raise your hand. And some folks from HBAD have voter registration. You have five more days to register to vote. Here. I think Ed Pollard is here somewhere, I saw him somewhere. Well, let, me, let me chime in real quick to show you what you do when you're a parent before you become a trustee. You create an entertainment entrepreneurship academy. You get HCC to make it a dual credit program. You build a multi-million dollar recording studio in the school. You teach them how to run their own entertainment companies at Jack Yates Senior High School. So I know that these kids want to do that. They don't want to do hospitality. They don't want to do that foolishness. Stop trying to give them what you want them to have. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Now, we, we only got time for about two more questions. Oh, we'll take three. We'll take three. How much time we got, man?
the superintendent or do the superintendent work for the board? If Texas is a high fire state, what took so long for Grill to get, get rid of Grill? If we have all these clues in the high order, why did he get any bonuses? Why did this contract keep getting extended? And the most important uh, question is, if you don't have uh, a feeder pattern, if you don't have elementary schools, how are you going to have successful middle schools? If you don't have successful middle schools, how are you going to have successful high schools? By HISD on number 60, 70% of all of HISD is either economically disadvantaged or at risk. Those are the kids that the grants should be wrote for. Less than 10% is gifted and talented. Of that 10%, 100% is not going to college. So why in, I'm sorry, but I have to get all this out. But in the next 10, 15 years, the next 40, 50 years, nothing but construction in the city of Houston. So why can't our kids graduate from high school and go make that $60,000 a year? So he asked it to you, so I guess you answered so the question. So you answered it to me? Yes. It's for everybody. So that's what I'm asking before we start talking. 30 seconds. 30 seconds each. Oh, okay. Well, Greer, uh, he, he knew that he wasn't going to be renewed, so that's why he resigned because of the board leadership that came on. So that's one. Number two, we are putting an apprenticeship program. I'm trying to make sure about the, the $60,000. He asked them one at a time so we'll know which ones. Because he only gave us 30 seconds to address. So the first one was about the bonus. Okay. For the bonus for Mr. Greer, I, it's, publicly I can, against, this is against policies for us to discuss personnel issues. So I cannot comment on that particular one. He made a One, he would have never got a bonus from me. Two, as a parent, I did what nine trustees wouldn't do. I got rid of that clown. Get your stuff and go. He heard the phone call that Tuesday. But anyway, bottom line, they wouldn't do anything about him because he had too much dirt on him. He knew where the dead bodies were buried. But they ready to fire Carranza right now let him tell the truth. Inside of HISD, and I'm a 23 year teacher. 
I didn't come from TFA. I came from HISD. I switched from a laboratory to teach my children in my community, Third Ward, South Park, Sunnyside. My question again is, all of the things that have been done in HISD, what is the first thing you'll do to undo the things that have been done? One of them is James D. Ryan need to come back. That's the first thing I want. From day one, it shouldn't be what it is. You see what I'm saying? You're going to have to give us some back. You're going to have to create some equity. You're going to have to redraw some district lines. If you redraw them district lines, that means more kids go end up in our seats. In our schools, we're going to have more money. Ask them why they won't redraw them. The other thing that comes out of if you think that dealing with our children, we just have to do better with our kids. We have to do better. We cannot keep selling our children out. We can't do that. When Greer was in HISD, we were told by a board member who's no longer on the board that it's, we should run it like corporate America. If you think a school is a, a business, that's a problem. Thank you, ma'am. So I want to go on the record since I did not support Greer's policies, number one. Um, it was a closed session discussion, but I did not support it. And we do have to keep kids first, especially when you talk about kids that was being suspended before the third grade. We created policies so our kids would not be suspended before the third grade. We want to focus on academics and closing the achievement gap in HISD. We want to make sure that we improve student outcomes and then make sure that we improve literacy rates by 9% so our kids will learn how to read. So that's what we're here for. It's about academics. It's about how we're engaging our kids so they can graduate from high school. Thank you. Is it right here? Yes. What would they undo? What would they undo? What would they undo? I would undo the, the mindset that uh, this is a business, that you run a school like a business. This is not corporate America. We're dealing with children that need us to deal with their needs so that they can be successful. And until we do that, we're going to end up in the same situation we've been in, failing schools, period. If I had the, the opportunity and all the power that people are giving me, if I can do a do-over, Dotson would not be closed today. That's what I would undo. Because for four years, I'm the only man in the city that had the, the guts to stand up to the Houston Independent School District. I'm the only man that said your grandbabies should get a free public
public education. I'm the only man that said, if you don't give it to him, I'm going to give you a problem. I owned up to every single thing. I can't say the same for these two. The thing, the thing that I would say is, and something that needs to be brought back to HIV, there should be a core personnel, there should be core personnel at every campus. That's what we're not seeing. You don't see a music teacher or a fine arts teacher at every campus. You don't see a PE teacher, a technology teacher, a librarian. All of those things have been allowed to be taken away from the schools because of this decentralization. And my problem with that is you take away some of the things that keep some children in school. We're actually working on a policy right now to read decentralization because of the same issues that you're talking about right now. But why should you entrust your children to, to us? You entrusting your kids into the schools that they're attending and the teachers that are over them. Being a product of the Houston Independent School District, I graduated from Cashman Garden. I'm from Fifth Ward, and I know what it's like to be in, in, in an area, being in, in an environment of struggling. So entrust is making sure that we look at our schools and that you're entrusting them to the effective teachers in those classrooms. Because we graduate Thank high you. students. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, my name is Georgia Provost, and I really appreciate what you all have been talking about, but you really haven't been discussing the real issue. In the 80s, HISD and all the school districts in Texas received 60% of funding from the state. This is 2017. The state only gives you 37%. That's what you need to be worried about. Where's the money? You, need to, you got a whole year before the Texas starts for 19. You need to raise it back up. Y'all don't get the 37%. What the heck can you do that? Teach the people. But y'all worried about everything else that don't matter. Money and life show would make the world go round. Y'all need to worry about how y'all get that 37 percent back up to 80. I think that would I think that would be a funding question, am I correct? I think that, I think that would be a funding question, am I correct? First of all, we, we're quick to say we need to go to Austin and, and deal with the state funding formula. We have a local funding formula that's messed up. You do not fund worthy like you fund HSPBA. You don't fund Gates like you fund law enforcement. So my thing is, you can give me $37 million. I'm going to pay the life bill. I'm going to pay the water bill. I'm going to get it done. But you can't entrust these people who can't balance their checkbooks with all that money and can't pay for do, do what they get to do in the school. I think a formula needs to be put in place, and maybe there is a formula, but it doesn't appear to be that way because we already know equality and equity, it's not, it's not even exist. It's, it's non-existent. It's non-existent in the district. I believe that when you have children in, on the campus, you start looking at the different labels on the campus, that should change the amount of money that's uh, put on the campus for that particular child. Until we reach out and do what we need to do for each of the children that we are working with, that's going to be a problem. You can't give a child in Sunnyside what you give to a kid in River Oaks. Not the same, not the same situation. Totally. Just want to make sure that we have a clarification for Oregon High School. Oregon High School right now, they have the highest paid teachers at Oregon High School. We put 
last year, we put an additional $5,000 for incentives for teachers to really excel in those particular areas of learning and academics, you know, at Worthen High School. And we talk about the programs and what has been removed. And I, and I agree, a lot of stuff was taken away from the previous administration. So we have to just restore those programs back. Hi, my name is Ms. Johnson. I am the VIP of Madison, very involved parent. So my question is um, to the, the trustee that's currently here and the ones that want to come and join the team, uh, if you are approving the budget, uh, you're making decisions about the budget for our schools, but not holding folks accountable for them, how do you hold them accountable even though you don't hire them? As a trustee, you can't deal with administrative decisions. But that doesn't mean your feet don't work. That means I'm gonna be in that superintendent's office every single day. You're gonna get tired of seeing me. I have a problem at Madison, I have a problem at Worthy. But more importantly, when I go to him with a problem, I'm coming with a solution. I can't keep walking in there with a problem. So bottom line is, you can fix a lot of this stuff Decentralization is the biggest problem. Site-based management is the other problem. There's a lot that, that can be said about decentralization. And with this, I think that's going to be a whole other animal if we, we're dealing with that. But we're going to have to find a way to get rid You have all these new principles. You have to turn over on the principles. Uh, every two years, you got somebody new in the building. You're going to have to find mentors and get, teach people how to manage the budgets that they're managing. That's what I see that's not happening. You have to have some oversight. Somebody has to, that person needs to be accountable to somebody. You have a budget, you got to be accountable to somebody. Somebody needs to know where that money is going and what you're doing with it. As trustees, our job is not to micromanage the superintendent. Our job is to let the superintendent know what the issues are. And it's his responsibility to go to his administration to address those issues. So that's our role of trustees. We cannot overstep the bounds and uh, like we don't fire teachers, we don't fire principals. That's the responsibility of the superintendent and that is our role as trustees. So we cannot overstep um, that role as a trustee. And that is governed by our, our governance and by TEA. It just, we just cannot overstep those roles. Thank you. I just want to know um, what do you all feel about the new disciplinary um, alternative, alternative education program that the district implemented in the school year, and how are you going to make sure that District 9 doesn't become the new prison pipeline? Say, I was just over there today. They tried to send a key and he didn't go. The question is, is who do you have running the school? If she couldn't handle discipline on the Lawson campus, how you gonna handle discipline at, the, at that school over there? My thing is this here, stop treating these kids in these schools like they're minimum security prisoners. They will not act like convicts if you don't treat them like convicts. Put something in there so it doesn't resemble a prison. And I have to go along with Gary on that one because what I've seen, in order to get control of a campus, you put them in straight lines down in middle school, in straight lines down the hallway, walk them from class to class. That was acceptable at Woodson in the previous administration. That should never have been going on on a, on a middle school campus when the students should have been moving around. 
we're going to have to teach our children how to matriculate on the campus. And until we figure out a way to treat children the way they deserve to be treated, to treat them as mature youth, Thank that's you. a problem. I said earlier, we created the policy to close that prison pipeline by educating our kids and not allowing them to be suspended before the third grade. That's number one. The other thing that we did, the previous company that we had in place to do exactly that, they was wide in that prison pipeline because there wasn't any control over that particular school, so we brought them in. And so there's a, a lot of issues that we can all say different things on why we shouldn't have it or why we should. The thing why we're here is to make sure that all of our children get educated, that they would close their teaching gaps that our kids graduate from high school and we have the necessary programs and services in those classrooms and schools. Restorative justice is being right now, and I think that's something that all schools need to be exploring. You're not going to suspend the kids because there are still people out there with zero tolerance. And you can't have a school with zero tolerance. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You have to educate these children because if you don't educate them, they're breaking in your houses and my house. So we need to make sure that we find something to fix this problem. Children can be taught to do the right thing, but we have to reach out to their families as well. And I believe restorative justice is one route that we need to explore on a wider uh, level. Thank you so much, Doctor. Can we give the three candidates a hand? We're going to give them each 60 seconds, beginning with Mr. Monroe, and ending with Trustee Adams to close. I'm not in the business of being liked. I see kids dying and not educated. My girls end up on stripper poles, my boys end up on corners. It's time for a change. It, it then ran its course. You don't like the way I delivered it, but all I delivered in four years is the truth. That's all I delivered in four years is the truth. You get honesty, integrity, transparency. I may not be what you want, but in two years you're going to realize I'm exactly what you need. <laughs> I'm Carla Brown. I am number one on the ballot. I'm an educator that wants to bring education back to the board. I believe that every board member needs to go into a school outside of their district and be a substitute teacher for a day without the hat of, uh, of school board on their head. Go in as a regular person and learn what's really going on in, on the campuses. When you know what's going on on those campuses, it will change the way you make decisions for our children. You'll see what you're really dealing with. The teachers are not crazy out there. These are teachers out here fighting for their lives. And when I say fighting for their lives, they're fighting for the lives of our children. They want to make sure those, they believe in kids. You don't get education for any other reason. You already said you don't get, they don't get paid enough. So please understand, we have to start making decisions based on what's going on in those schools, not on what we think, what's going on in our children's schools, because your children are going to the schools that we need to change. Thank you. One of the things that I valuable is the faith that I have and the belief that I have in doing the best thing that is right for the Houston Independent School District. Without any hidden agendas, without vendors running my campaign because I didn't want to pull the pull a contract. And so vendors want the old system. And if you want the old system of the previous administration for contracts, illegal deals, you have your choices. 
I'm not that trustee. I'm not that trustee that's going to go ahead and take deals under the table or have a vendor run my campaign because I said no to the contract. That's not me. If you want to come, you look at the, the structure and what we have done in integrity in this community. Closing the achievement gap. Looking at student outcomes. Bringing in programs that's going to affect literacy among our kids. We have to know what this board and what we do as a board. It is not about the issue that we heard today. It's about academics. Thank you, Justine. And with that, I will introduce to you the CEO and publisher of the Houston Forward Times. What'd you think of the show? 